WNBA Nation, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the show. We are well in swing with the second half or last third, whatever you want to call it math-wise, of the WNBA season here in 2021. So good to have you. We got two of us today. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm here with my best friend of the whole universe, Kyle Haywood. Kyle, happy Aaliyah Day. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I'm needing to wish you. It's a big day. It is a big day. One in a million is now officially on streaming services. I, I, well, I've been listening to it all day. It's on, I've been listening on Spotify, people all over the place. I believe Aaliyah is now technically the fastest rise to like number one for first day as an artist on streams. It's been a nostalgic one. It makes sense. I haven't had a chance to, to hear you. I've been at work all day and then I got home and we hopped on here. So it's on my to-do list today. I mean, I'm excited more for the self-titled album a little bit in a way, but like this isn't an Aaliyah podcast. It should be, but it's not currently an Aaliyah podcast. Yeah. But <laughs> my sister loved, like she was one of the biggest Aaliyah fans I knew back in the day when we were growing up. She was extremely, I remember when she passed away and she was just really crushed about it. So I listened to her a lot through her. And I just forgot, like, every single song on that album is insane. Like, they, they all land so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Such a good album. So check that out. So happy lead day to the rest of y'all. That's it, Kyle. It's, it's, it's a fun week. We've got a lot to dive into. I will say really quick that if you are looking to connect with us, of course, you can connect with us on Twitter at WMDA Nation Pod. Likewise, over on the Facebook. Uh, you can find this show if you are looking for a good home for the audio. Maybe you're listening to this on a on a browser and you're like, I have an app. Should I use that app? You can find it essentially anywhere that podcast can be found, especially over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the like. If you're still a Stitcher fan and, and making that run. I think there was a great migration from Stitcher, but I bet you there's a few of people still listening on Stitcher. There's a couple of those yeah. peeps. They're out there. You never know. Weird stuff. There might be some last FMers. It's life. Last FM. Life is you. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a wheel. It just keeps on turning. Anyway, you can find us wherever podcast found. If you are listening somewhere that has a review structure, especially over on Apple Podcasts, we would love a five star review and a review comment, um, on what you've enjoyed about the show. That really helps us get some positive reach. As a matter of fact, Kyle, uh, I think we have a special call out that I'll kick over to you for. We got a recent five-star review. This one comes from the user Smitty7, who listed a five-star review titled Simply Excellent. All right. It says, I think I've listened to every WNBA podcast there is. I love the league and enjoy hearing everything about it. But this is my every, is my absolute favorite. I love the substantive analysis and the playful banter. The chemistry that the hosts have is fun and engaging. But most importantly, these hosts seem to actually know more about the league and the players than I do. Because honestly, when I listen to some of the podcasts out there, it seems like someone who pulled up the deep stats website, started quoting figures. Anyway, uh, or someone who just isn't putting out content for a check uh, or who is just putting out content for a check but hasn't got to know the game nor the athletes thank you for what you do i'm listening we appreciate that appreciate that smitty seven thank you love that review thank you so much for that i i do want to give the disclaimer that 
there are a lot of phenomenal women's sports yes. and women's basketball podcasts, and you should be listening to them. But I totally get what they're saying, just in terms of like the sports media zeitgeist in general. You know, pulling stats, checking boxes. Yeah, I think that was the the message. Every once in a while, you see some media coverage that is trying to just check the box that didn't do their research. So if you have other WNBA or or women's sports pods that you listen to. Absolutely. We, we're huge fans of theirs, but I think, yeah. I think you understand what, what Smitty's trying to say there. Absolutely. Appreciate no, I totally that. do. I just want to make that disclaimer. Yes. That, we're, <laughs> that, that we do not necessarily subscribe to the idea of, of, of competing against other pods. We, we love the community. The beautiful thing, the beautiful, the beautiful thing about the podcast community is that your library can be as long, as large as you want it to be. And we hope that it's full of WNBA content because there's a lot of great stuff out there. So we hope you check that out. Last, uh, but certainly not least, if you are looking to get a little additional, actually, not quite last, two more things. If you're looking to get some additional swag from the show, of course, check out our store and be page. You can find our link over on Twitter and often in the description. But check that stuff out. We have some new designs that have recently come out that we're very, very excited about. And then, of course, if you're looking for a little extra exciting just a little bit of sugar on top of your listening experience. Check us out over on the Twitch. We live stream each episode. You'll get a chance to listen to some behind the scenes discussion, get to know the rest of our Twitch community. Uh, it's been a really, really fun experience for us. And we know that it'll definitely be for you too. And then of course the audio from here goes right here into your feed. You're always going to get free content every single week. Uh, that's a good way to, to get a little extra for, for your support and also helps us in the long run. Gives us a little bit of financial kickback where we can. That said, that's, that's, that's plug life right there. Just got to get that up and running. But Kyle, I got to ask you real quick. Our last stream, if I'm correct, if my brain serves me correct with you and Logan, there was discussion about like, has, can anyone have a better calendar year than Bree Stewart had? Yeah. I would say a pretty solid, like a very competitive week. For Christy Tolliver. Yes. It's yeah. almost like a, a micro version of like you go from week 10 to week. I mean, you start the week with a buzzer beater to force an overtime. You move forward a couple days later, hired as an assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks. So getting some MNBA love there. And then you're a key point in, in a game, you know, in a game winner from Neko Gumake. Sparks seem to be on all thrillers. This was a team that felt like Tolliver wasn't the heaviest part of the discussion. And all of a sudden she's an impetus to a team that looks pretty hot right now. Yeah. They've won three in a row after coming back from the break. They, they were, Oh, uh, or not not own six. They had lost six in a row heading into that Olympic break. And since then, you know, we understand that they were playing, you know, Indiana and Atlanta. That still being said, winning three in a row is a feat in and of itself, and especially winning close games, these nail biters that have that have happened. So yeah, I think LA is looking like, you know, if they can grind out these kinds of games, then maybe they aren't quite the easy game that some of these other teams, you know, are looking at them. And so yeah. this alone, they've they've shot up some of the standings. They're looking Looking really solid. So, yeah, and Christy Tolliver was a huge part of uh, each of those games as well as, yeah, getting hired as an assistant coach. It's amazing. Yeah, I think that was really cool. Just fun news in her case. You know, one differential between the two teams right now that I look at, the Sky and the Sparks, the Sparks are learning to figure out their clutch gene. And that's why I think even though against Indiana Atlanta, having these close games is huge for them because they're picking up that clutch gene. Mm -hmm. They now see themselves ninth in the standings. There's really good potential for them to move their way up and into the playoff hunt. Yeah, they're only half a game out. Chicago pulled off a close win against Seattle, which is great. Uh, but outside of that, you kind of see 
all year long, they've had a hard time balancing out that clutch gene and also performing at a competitive level. You know, a lot of people would say when Candace is off the court, which is true, but also there's this new debate of like, people are finally waking up to like, gee, they look like a whole different team. Anytime Allie Quigley's in the lineup, right? Anytime she's on the floor. Now we may hit some stuff that ties directly to those, but I will say for Tolliver's sense, I love the move that the, the Mavericks are taking. I think it's something that, I, it's a line from Becky Hammond that I heard recently in an interview that meant a lot was she's been inundated with firsts a lot of like first assistant coach, first senior assistant coach, first person to receive a final interview for a head coaching interview, first person to go to an interview for a head coaching job and then go eat it at Denny's. Like it was just like they, <laughs> they just kept throwing ways to have it happen. People are finding Anything they can to be like first time ever just to like chalk that up. And she kept saying, I'm excited for the time when it's no longer celebrating first. Like this is just a part of the, the system right. is, is women being great coaches and finding good jobs because they're great coaches. And I think this is a part of it where we obviously have seen women in other coaching spots. Spoons out there. Carol Lawson was with Boston for a while. So th- that's happened in the past, but I, I like the idea of starting to see this as more of a norm. I don't want to speculate on what this means for Tolliver's career, um, or anything to that level. Cause we're looking at what that might mean. I don't necessarily want to speculate on what this means for her potential in landing a head coaching spot because heaven knows Jason Kidd's a bit of a toss up when it comes to him being a head coach in any capacity. So. <laughs> You know, I think it'll be, it's, this is different than Hammond's case where like, it's going to take a heck of a lot for, for Greg Popovich to not be around. And then on top of that, you have to find a way to, to beat the patriarchy whenever you want to get a head coaching job anywhere else. I think this is an interesting case of it's a different ecosystem, but at the same time, it's just hard to speculate on how that will tie out. But I'm excited to see where she goes. It really feels like this will be a, a fun opportunity. She'll be able to build off of experience that she already landed with the, with the, Mystics and pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, we've got a couple questions. Yeah, should we hit that Q&A? I, yeah, if, if you're good. I only got one other news thing. We don't have to talk too much about it. I just I just want to just get a little jazz. We're finally going to have a team in the White House again. Yeah. White House, President Biden and, and company officially inviting the Seattle Storm to the White House. Looks like uh, Monday-ish we'll be seeing that. So very exciting news. Very cool stuff. I know they'll be in town on Sunday against the Mystics. So it looks like Monday they'll be dropping in and just excited to finally see some sanity from some people who want to actually invite great women's teams into the White House. So yeah, it's exciting just to have that opportunity. Yeah. Let's do this. I want to ask you a bunch of questions and I want to have them answered immediately. Yeah. Let's hit the Q and a portion. This will be the meat of the episode. So Kyle, I'll kick it over to you to kind of run these questions. And then when we wind down, We'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited. Uh, we, we obviously, if you're looking to get involved in these Q and A's, we're looking to do these more frequently. Uh, remember to follow us over on Twitter, WA Nation Pod. That's where we'll send out initially. If you join us here on the Twitch streams, you can always drop questions into the chat. And if you see questions you like in the chat, as always, I would say, feel free to respond to them in the chat. You know, we don't have to be the only ones answering questions. I want to hear what everyone else's feelings are as well. That's what makes, uh, that's what makes this stream experience a lot more fun. All right, guys. So the first question is going to come from Twitter. We have a question from Christopher Werps, and he says, why do you think BG isn't being talked about more as a contender for MVP? Excellent question. Prior, That first game back from the break, there was some graphics that would go up on some of these games, you know, saying, hey, here's your MVP front runners. 
And it listed, you know, a lot of your usual suspects, you know, Bree Stewart, Asia Wilson. Uh, also had Tina Charles on there, as well as uh, Jonquel Jones. Okay, which, you know, especially Bree, Asia, and Jonquel get a lot of, of hype. And then it seems like there's the, like some tiers, you know, a lot of people have those three in the top tier. And then kind of your second tier is, is Tina Charles with Brittany Griner kind of being in that second tier, but below Tina Charles as well. Just so everybody is aware, where, uh, as far as why this question is coming through, in case you haven't been paying attention, Brittany Griner is currently second in the league in points per game, trailing only Tina Charles. She's also third in the league. Well, actually, technically tied for second in the league with in rebounds, tied with Sylvia Fells and Tina Charles. She leads the league in blocks. She is second in the league in field goal percentage and doing a lot on both ends of the floor and having probably, I, I won't even say probably, she's definitely having her best season. And I would say her best season by far since we've started our show, which was, uh, this is our fifth season covering the league. Basically, she's playing in a way that everybody uh, has expected her to play since she arrived out of Baylor. So that's kind of the premise of this question. So, Steve, I'm, I want to toss this one over to you. Why do you think that she hasn't been brought up as much in the MVP discussion compared to uh, these other four names that we keep hearing? I think there's two lines of thinking when people are considering the MVP race. Mm -hmm. One is who are the top players on the top teams. And when you look right now, the three main discussion points are Asia Wilson, Bree Stewart, John Quill Jones, who are the top three teams in the standings. So that one stands there. And then I think the other side of it are outlier level performers, people who are putting in numbers that can't be ignored regardless of how their team's doing. And I think that's where Tina Charles popped up, you know, averaging 26 points a game regardless of how Washington's doing, is going to stand out. Griner obviously has that number piece, but at the same time, she's almost in that middle ground where you're looking at Phoenix's fifth in the standings. They're not quite in the top tier, but they're in a very competitive spot. But they're not anemic enough that her performance almost like speaks such volume. Because mm -hmm. right now, the Mystics might be closer to a 12 seed if it weren't for Tina Charles. You know, they're... They're 10th right now. They could find themselves back in the playoff running because it's a close race at the, at, you know, in that bottom section there. It's so that's hard to tell. The other side of it is exactly that, which is Charles has kind of been the main lift for the Mystics in whatever they've succeeded in. With the Mercury, you can lean on the Sky discussion. You can lean on the Keeners discussion. You know, there, there are other players that I think people can talk, can bring up when it comes to, to how well Phoenix has played, when they've played well. But they don't get, she doesn't get the added bump of simply being the top performer on one of the top teams. It's so it's almost like a middle ground, you know, she's too, she's too hungry to sleep, too tired to eat, you know, like, and right. you just unfortunately in that weird middle ground where it doesn't quite come up. I will say this. I feel like the other side of it, there's just been kind of a negative connotation with, with Griner due to some drama here and there in the last couple of years. So. Also, just to be a part of the discussion, some goodwill might have been a part of that. What I will say to this is her Olympic performance spoke for itself. And since she has been back, her performance it spoke for, for herself. Like it's, there's no denying the results we've seen since she's returned to the Olympics. Like it's, it's even what we've seen and plus some. Right. And if the Mercury find themselves in that top team discussion, if they find a way to, to frog hop, 
a frog leapfrog. I said frog hop, leapfrog the Lynx, <laughs> which might be possible after what we've seen from the Lynx last few games. If they're in that top four discussion or even find their way to finagle elsewhere, probably I think the top three teams are kind of on an island of their own in the standings. But if they can leapfrog and be in that top four discussion, I think Greiner suddenly becomes a very interesting discussion point. Yeah. Especially if her performance continues to hold itself. But I think they're in that interesting space of this was like, you know, we've had years where people were talking to Rike when Dallas wasn't necessarily playing well or Chicago when they weren't one of the top level teams, but you saw what Courtney Vandersloot was putting in. And unfortunately, Phoenix is almost in that middle ground on both ends. So I expect this conversation to change in the coming weeks. If we keep seeing Phoenix's output matching what Griner's putting in, if that stays consistent, this this discussion will change pretty quickly. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think where we're seeing Griner over the last couple games, and even just prior to the break, she had some fantastic results as well. She's got 12 double-doubles on the season including a, a couple really standout performances. This latest, this last game against Washington, she went for 30, 12, uh, 30 and 12 with five assists and a block. So she's, she's absolutely tearing it up. You know, she's got, she's had a double double in four of the last six games alone. She's putting up the numbers. And so, but I think you're right. It's not always necessarily uh, the MVP. We've, we've had this discussion many times. The MVP is so difficult because everybody who votes for MVP places a different definition on it. And that's kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Is she playing MVP basketball? Is she playing basketball at a level that deserves an MVP discussion? A hundred percent. Is she likely right now to win it? Mm, Probably not because of other storylines or because people are only going to look at the top couple teams, which, you know, we've got our own opinions on that. So, I, I would expect, just as Steve said, the conversation surrounding MVP will continue to include Brittany Griner as she keeps this up. I think that I think that she put a lot of people on notice mm-hmm. after the break, and especially post Olympics as well. So, yeah, uh, love what we're seeing out of Griner, and uh, and especially with Tarasi's had some injuries. Skydigs now. You know, had been banged up a little bit. Nurse has been kind of slow getting used to this Phoenix team. Griner's been the one consistent player on this squad. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that conversation develops over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, most definitely. I'd say the one last thought I have on this is where this becomes an interesting discussion, because I think Asia and Stewie have been locked into this discussion since the start of the season before we played any games. It was just kind of they were always going to be there. Mm hmm. And I think what's going to make this interesting and where I think you almost like you, you may start to slowly see Griner's name pop up, possibly even more than John Quell. And that's not a dig at all on John Quell at all, because she's continuing to play phenomenal basketball. And if she's your MVP vote, I get you. Duana Bonner is playing at a level that if if you care about W uh, about like MVP stock, it might be taking a little stock away from Jones but I don't think the Sun care about that at all. Yeah, like because because no. <laughs> I think I think when those two are at the level that they're playing, the Sun are like this is a team that can win a, you know win a championship, and and so I don't think they care about that at all. And it might hurt each other's discussions. And Griner is playing almost at that much better of a level, even than probably your second best player in Skylar Diggins Smith, who has looked awesome. But I think it's one of those things that it's like you, it's just like you said. It's there's way it's it's so arbitrary how you define the MVP discussion that it just gets super annoying. Right. Like, uh, and, and that's a part of it. And so 
it all comes down to this weird politicky type discussions. My feeling on the matter is at this point, if I have to limit myself to four names in the play in the MVP race, I I throw in Griner and I probably take out Charles until I see the Mystics output go up a little bit. Uh, we've got another question that's coming through. This one is from our Twitch channel. Shout out to Captain Kirk. This is a really I like this question. I think this is this is more of a, a large scale kind of a, a view from you know a ten thousand foot view of of the league here. It said with the WNBA be, uh, been going on for many decades now, right? So we're year twenty five. Do you think that young players are better now due to more acceptance of women's basketball across the world? Kind of an interesting question. So do you think like as far as the youth development with women's basketball, do you think that it has seen a significant increase because basically anybody who's, you know, coming into the league now has lived their entire life with a professional women's league? What are your thoughts there? Certainly that's a huge part of it because we're now starting to see players coming into the league, getting drafted into the league who can easily cite WNBA players as their inspiration. And even just a couple of years ago when we first kicked off the podcast, that really wasn't apparent. You know, new, new draftees would often call out generally MNBA players and many times retired MNBA players to, you know, kind of as that's what kind of got me into basketball. Right. But you're starting to hear a lot more of Cynthia Cooper and of Diana Shirasi and of Sue Bird and of Lauren Jackson. Like those names have come up pretty frequently of that's who I rooted for. That's who I wanted to see succeed. And that's what made me want to be a basketball player. So I think that's a part of it. I would also say the, Youth level build when it comes to women's basketball in general is huge, like girls basketball in terms of, I don't know if 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, like AAU style, you know, accelerated leagues for women, for the girls game was really that prevalent. It it existed, but I don't know that it, it really carried much weight nearly as much as it does now. And the last thing I would say about it is when you look at the development of these players is that we have such a wide pool of coaches who specifically know how to coach women's basketball. We're no longer trying to coach women as if we're just coaching men and seeing it what sticks. We're embracing the elements that make that work within the women's game and excelling upon those. And that's why you're seeing a lot of players who not only come in with a high level of skill, but can put, can naturally put their own spin and their own flavor on things because they've been guided by people who understand how they play the game. And I think that exists more than it does now. And by the way, I think that's also why you hear people who have frustration points for, for those Derek Fisher type hires, because what about his experience tells me he's ready to coach a women's team. Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't question at all, you know, what Noel Quinn (laughs) brings to that. Because she totally, she was, she was just there. She totally gets it. So I, I think there's a lot to that too. But I could probably go on a lot more about it. But it's a really interesting discussion. I, and I just picture, you know, some of the the players like you know some of the early you know entries into the WNBA. A lot of them could look back on someone like a Cheryl Miller and say like, oh, she was influential for me. But they didn't. They weren't able to really see her a ton. Like, yeah, they, where, you, you could hear about her, but there was no platform. There was no platform for Cheryl Miller to be. Where where were you going to watch Cheryl Miller in the eighties? Like 
Exactly. Like, was there closed circuit television to watch high school games or USC games? Like, you know, watching that women of Troy thing, it's like, where did you dig up all of this content? Cause like when I was doing the, the comets W history segment, like I was feverishly looking for Cynthia Cooper highlights. I couldn't find anything. Um, yeah. and that, and that's back when USC women's basketball was an empire. Like that was the Yukon of its day. Like they were a very, very stacked team. And so it's very, it's just interesting of now I think the exposure certainly helps. And for the record, that is only going to increase because exposure now is going beyond. I have a league to watch. It's the fact that I've learned to love basketball, but I also follow Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark on TikTok and whatnot. And, and I know their personalities and I have I, like their people are forming relationships in an interesting way now with these types of players to the point where just that level of investment is beyond. I want to go play basketball. It's almost just like, I want to, I want to have that same impact on people as they did with me. And that's such an extra level that this will only grow and increase. And that's where I, that's, I think this new level, this NIL era is, is really going to benefit the WNBA in the long run for exactly that reason. You're going to see a real strong loyalty with new fans. I think that so many of these younger players, you know, Azzy Fudd and, and others are, have mm-hmm. such a big like social following that they're going to continue to bring fans into the league. We saw what, you know, the momentum that came with someone like Sabrina Ionescu and that was cut severely you know, short because of, of COVID and other, other issues, COVID and an injury, you know, basically took so much away from that momentum. That's not going to be the case with every big time star that comes into the league. Yeah. You know, you're going to see an Azzy Fudd, you're going to see a Caitlin Clark, you're going to see a Paige Beckers, you're going to see, you know, a lot of these types of players. And we've already seen it with players like, you know, she's been in the league for a few years now, but Asia Wilson, mm-hmm. Asia Wilson has brought a, a loyal fan base. She's gone out. She's won gold medals. She's had, now she has statue on her college campus. Like, yeah, the WNBA being around for 25 years, a hundred percent. Yeah. The players are getting better because the, it's the people are aware of it and they're more interested and they're saying there's an avenue for me to make it to that league much like there was a, there's been an avenue for yeah. you know men's players to get to their league for you know 70 years 60 years whatever it's been yeah. you know if i'm a high school standout on a girls basketball team somewhere in the united states how are you not circling south carolina on your list of potential spots yeah. like if they give you a if they give you a a touch and a you know they you know and they're potentially offering you how is that not so high up on your short list? I get it. If you want to, you know, play for a UConn, if you want to play for a Tennessee, if you want to play for Stanford, you know, there's lots of high up, but, but South Carolina officially has this added element of, you know, you'll get to play with Don Staley. You'll be competitive on a top stage, get you ready for the program, but also you might become a legend. Yeah. And like, we have physical proof of that. Like you might like, we might find space to put next to Asia over here. And that's insane. Like that there's something to that. That's just like, don't even take them to the court, take them to that statue. Like there's something that stands so much for that. And you'll be like, that's why I, I speak so highly of to me, 
if you ask me like the newest next big face of the league, like who is that? To me, it's Asia Wilson because she is going to inspire by with stuff like that alone, let alone everything else with her personality and things of that and, and, and her ability to connect people is going to inspire so many young people to want to invest in the league, to want to play themselves someday in a way that a lot of people haven't, regardless of the fact that she probably gets a fraction of the exposure of a lot of her counterparts. True. And it's, you know, I think that speaks pretty heavy volumes. So it's, this is a really interesting discussion because you can be basketball analytical about it, or you could just wax very philosophical and existential and just, just kind of talk about life and existence. Um, now, this is a, we could revisit the same question every week and probably have a different answer. I like this a lot. Yeah, we really could. So we're uh, we're we're kind of going well into our time here. So we've got a couple other questions, but we'll save those for a, a, a upcoming mailbag as they fit in. But yeah, pretty much. Uh, if you want to submit questions, we'll be we're planning on doing this every single week. If you have questions for our Q and A mailbag episodes, go ahead and send those to our Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. You can also hit us up on Twitch. Uh, if you ask us live on Twitch, you can ask questions right there and we're we're good to go absolutely that's a great question mike we're gonna we're we're getting one in the twitch right now and i like it a lot i think we're gonna we'll add it into our next episode all right uh for next week i think it's really good all right if you don't have time for um, one more i almost (laughs) i now almost want to bite off on one more but (sighs) (laughs) yeah i've got i i i gotta wrap up and and head out here so all right, let's uh let me let me hit some really quick rapid fire for you then. We got four games this weekend. Let's do it. Saturday the 21st. Okay. Uh first things first, we've got the Mercury in Atlanta to face the Dream. This will be on ESPN2. Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So when you're done <laughs> playing community basketball or mowing your lawn or doing your speed walk, whatever it is you do on your Saturday morning, uh, grab a coffee, come watch this game. Mercury at the Dream. It might go without saying in some cases, but who do you have taking this one? This is tough because Atlanta's had a couple close games, but I think right now Phoenix looks like the much better team and, uh, again, has an MVP candidate with them, as we were just discussing. So I got to go with Phoenix on this one. Yeah, they're coming off a mini homestand. I don't know that the road piece on this is really going to be that much of an effect on them, and and they seem to be mm-hmm. rolling pretty well at the moment. We've got the Lynx at the Sky, two teams that came into the break with a lot of stock, have seemed somewhat rickety, uh, you know, just a little bit on the fence uh, with their play. They both have had close games but haven't been pulling in Ws too heavily. Both teams very much could use such. So who do you have getting one? This is a tough one. I, I, I struggle with this one a little bit. Um, the Lynx have not looked as dominant coming out of the break. However, Chicago, uh, it doesn't look like, I don't know if Candace Parker is going to be back, uh, at least, especially not back full, you know, uh, full whip, everything going good to go, um, by tomorrow night. In this one, I, this is a close one, but I, I'm just barely going to give Minnesota the edge in this, in this contest. I, I don't want to be chalked with everything you say, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those discussions of, if anything, I think Minnesota is just excited to not have to deal with that Connecticut front court for a while uh, and just get a break for a minute. And I think that's going to help them get back up to speed. I, I'm feeling Minnesota here, but Chicago knows what they're doing at home. So that could change in a GIF. 
let's uh let's move. We got two more games to cover for the weekend. Sunday the twenty second. First things first, two o'clock Eastern, eleven a.m. Pacific. We got the Sparks and the Liberty. The Liberty have so- shown some shine over their games back from the break. The Sparks seem to be finding some magic somewhere. I'm not going to make a Sparks pun there. I could, but I won't. This will be on ESPN3, as well as the Yes Network and Spectrum Sportsnet in Los Angeles. Uh, but two teams that could use a win to build any momentum they can get. Uh, who's doing this? This is a close one. I have... I've been really down on the Sparks. They've given me some some hope, rattling off three straight. I'm a little nervous. You know what? I'm going to go with LA right now. Uh, I'm I'm hesitant because New York beat Seattle and LA beat Atlanta, but I think LA is starting to figure it out. I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say LA pulls off the, I don't know if you could quite call it an upset, but uh, yeah, LA has got New York's number on this one for me. (laughs) Okay. So I want to take the sparks in this one. Here's what I will say on this. First of all, these are two teams that are really enjoying the close game mentality. So that's what I expect here between Laney and Tolliver and NECA, and everyone seems to just be hitting big shots in last-second moments. The one thing I stand with the Sparks right now, I don't know that they've proven they can maintain this momentum on the road. A lot of this has been happening in Staples Center. One thing with the Liberty that really plays the dividend here as well is is what we're seeing out of Natasha Howard's really helping them out, and I feel like that Mojo's going to continue here. I'm going to give this one to the Liberty in a pretty close one, but I don't expect that to necessarily shut off the Sparks' momentum. I can see them... Continuing to push this forward. One more matchup, Kyle. And this is a big one. Storm, Mystics, we're in DC. We've got, we're a day, a day shy of a White House visit. This wasn't initially expected to be on ESPN2. It's being moved to ESPN. People are tr- trying to read as much as they can into that. So we might as well hit the speculation button really fast, Kyle. Are we going to see Elena Deladon suiting up on Sunday? Oh, I I don't think she's quite. I don't think she's quite going to be on the court yet. I would lo- I would love to be wrong. Please let me be wrong. I don't think we're going to see her okay. quite yet. So we don't know if ESPN knows something we don't quite yet. Who who we would trust if they had the it was it was Dix. If if like at Dix you saw a T shirt that said Elena Deladon's return Sunday the twenty second. <laughs> that's when you know it's when it leaks at Dix, but not for maybe sure. Maybe not quite on ESPN. <laughs> I don't quite feel it yet. And I don't know how many minutes she'll get, but you know, I wouldn't be shocked. It sounds like it's definitely right around the corner mm-hmm. just to jump right into it. This is a high impact time for Seattle. I think they're, they'll have the, the team full, full force. They'll be hyped and ready to be in town for this white house visit. I expect them to get a fairly easy win. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've got Seattle taking this one. I think uh, Stewie Sue both coming off some nice rest. I think they're going to be re-energized. The team has looked solid without those two. Um, yes, they've dropped two games, but they were two close games against some pretty solid appoint- opponents, and the opponents were playing really well. It's weird to consider that these both of these teams are currently on losing streaks. Somebody's got to win, and uh, I've got Seattle taking this one. Yeah, it feels like it. I don't think they want Connecticut or Vegas at the top of the mantle for too long. Right. So we'll see how that goes. But that's everything for the quick rapid fire, and I think it's going to be everything for the program you know unless is there anything i'm missing i think we've we talked we talked one in a million we talked to leah i think we've hit all bases here yeah i think we're good to go man good stuff well everyone thanks again of course connect with us over on twitter wm and let us know what you thought of the episode let us know if any takes 
you don't exactly agree with. Continue to filter some questions. We're going to be doing these Q&As a lot more often, and we're hoping to, to hit them in, in quicker succession so that we can get those responses out to you, but we really appreciate it. I love that support. And then, of course, we are dialing ever closer to the end of the season, the playoff hunt, all that good stuff. We'll be right here uh, to share it with you on your pod feed, live on the Twitch, and elsewhere. But until then, thank you so much for listening to this episode of WNBA Nation. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Kyle Haywood. And we got you next time. <laughs>